A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. M, the Zone. If your workout includes baling hay and pitching pens, then you'll be comfortable right here. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. I'd say we're still going to be comfortable as we start off our Monday. How are you doing, everybody? Fabulous farm babe, Pam Youngke. So glad that you're along with us. I'm kind of glad that this weather is along with us as well. It's going to be a little bit more moderate again this week compared to some of the stuff that we had last week. Today, some sunshine, and we'll touch out right around 80 degrees for tomorrow sunshine and 83 wednesday we bounce up to about 85 and thursday 84 Uh, by the time we get to the end of the week they are telling me that we've got a pretty good chance we might see a little bit of a shower activity we're talking with stumacher ag meteorologist about those weather details in just a little bit it has been a prolific for lack of a better word growing season around wisconsin bob bosel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn Corn looked good, bean looked good, farmers are making a lot of hay. A lot of other things are growing around the state too, Aaron, and uh, some of them we're not too excited about. Yeah, Bob, and I got thinking about this because I had to walk through a giant patch of it to go fix my fence. Aaron Zimmerman here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, and I'm talking about wild parsnip. I actually got to talk with Mark Renz, weed specialist at UW Extension, for more information about this annoying weed. You continue to see more and more of it in roadside ditches and grassy areas around Wisconsin. And for some reason, they don't know, wild parsnip loves Wisconsin. But the real problem is that you can actually get severely burned by this weed if you're not careful. Mark Renz explains more. Yeah, this weed is called wild parsnip. This is a plant that kind of looks a little bit like wild carrot or Queen Anne's lace. Uh, it has this umbrella-shaped uh, inflorescence, but the flowers are yellow versus white. starts to flower in late June in southern Wisconsin to early July in northern Wisconsin. And it's really troublesome for a couple reasons. Probably the biggest reason that we're most concerned about is individuals, humans, can get a response to this where if they get the sap on their skin it can actually burn their skin. So this is a real big reason to be concerned about it. And that's probably the primary reason. It also can uh, compete with crop and uh, native plants and, and impact our environment in several other ways. But really the biggest concern is this concern with public safety and avoiding getting burned. So now seeing that this weed is an invasive species, where did it come from? And how, I mean, why have we seen an increase in this plant across the state in the recent years? Yeah, that's a great question, Aaron. And it's been in Wisconsin for decades, probably close to 100 years. It's come over from Europe. And for some reason, we're just not aware of. Wisconsin seems to be the best place in the world for growing wild parsnip. Don't really understand why. That's some interesting research that we've done. We think it has to do with just the amount of rainfall we get in the summer, amongst other situations. So why is it spreading and we're seeing more and more of it? We think besides there's lots of areas where it can really be grow well, it's how we manage a lot of our areas or don't manage our areas is what's causing the spread. So Aaron, when you're driving down the roadside right now and in the next month, what do you see the, our Department of Transportation and local municipalities doing? There have been a lot of tractors out there mowing ditches lately. That's right. That's right. And so often why we've gotten tremendous spread 
is they're mowing it after that seed that after that plant produces seed. And as you can imagine, mowing is just spreading that seed down the road. We've had floods and, and a lot of rainfall that can also move those seeds down there. So it's a biennial to short-lived perennial. And so it needs to move those seeds are what causes it spread. And so we're just moving those seeds around in bales of hay, mowers, as well as rainwater and flooding events. And that's really why it's why it's so common. So if we're mowing it and spreading these seeds around and those kind of things, how then do we manage and control it? We got to have some way to make sure it disappears. So what kind of things can we do to make sure that we get rid of it without spreading these seeds all over the place? Yeah, and so fortunately, this plant is actually pretty easy to control. There's several techniques that are effective, uh, ranging from mowing to, and I'm going to say this, hand removal, and we'll talk about that, uh, to herbicides. Uh, the key is we just need to prevent seed production. And so I'm going to go back to our roadsides and think about why are these on our roadsides and why don't they go away when we do good management. It's because we're mowing that 10 to 20 to 30 foot wide swath. And what's on the other side of the fence of that road? More wild parsnip. We don't mow that. We don't treat that with a herbicide or remove it. So even though we may be controlling the parsnip on the roadside, we get new weed seed, parsnip seed that's coming in every year that's reinfesting that area. So that's really the challenge is we need to have control, complete control so that seed does not reinfest that area. And we need to get good control for two, three, ideally four consecutive years. We've done quite a bit of research to show that if we can get two years of good control, we're going to start to see very few plants there, but really three to four to really eliminate those populations. So the easiest thing to do, believe it or not, is mowing is a really effective technique. If you can mow these plants right when they're starting to flower, right around the 4th of July in northern Wisconsin to maybe the, even the week earlier, you have a two to three week window, you can mow that plant. And this is where you're not going to believe me, Aaron, but trust me, that plant won't die. It'll re-sprout. It may even flower because we live so far north, though, there's not enough time for that plant to produce viable seeds. Those flowering plants die and uh, we're reducing the amount of seeds in the area. The challenge with this, with mowing, is you have to get that timing right, and then you have to repeat that for two to three years to really see that result. And what we usually see is people try it one year, and the next year they see even more of it, and they think, oh, no, I've done something wrong. That's actually what you want, because those are new seeds that are germinating, getting out of the soil. We're mowing those plants, and they're going to die at the end of the year. And if you can do this for two to three years on your property or along your fence line, you will see a dramatic decline. And if you can get it for three to four, we've had reports of complete eradication of local populations. So let's get back to that major problem that we have with this plant, the fact that it can be harmful to humans. You know, whether you're out hiking, out walking your dog, let's talk a little bit about what this plant can actually do to you and how to prevent that from happening. Yeah, and so th so this is the reason why a lot of people don't like to mow. And probably the most common case is, like you said, you're along your fence line working on your fences. People get out the weed whacker and start taking it down, and that's what spreads the sap of the plant. If it lands on your skin and uh, that your skin is exposed to just a little bit of sunlight, it just needs just a little shot, you can get a really bad, bad burn. So this is called phyto photodermatitis. I know that's a mouthful. And so the, the best thing is if you're walking around in a patch, do not break the stem or the leaf 
because it's the sap not actually touching the plant that causes the reaction. So if you can avoid that, you're doing really, really well. If you do get some of that sap on you, immediately you should try and wash it off. If you don't have access to water, getting dirt and rubbing on it or something else will help get rid of those toxins. And I want to emphasize it's different than poison ivy because uh, poison ivy, there's around a third of the population that are resistant and don't get this affliction from poison ivy. To our knowledge, everybody is sensitive to these burns. So we really just got to be careful and not get that sap on our skin. So how, what you can do is wear long pants, long shirts, work in areas, you know, where it's not sunny can help some of the time. But if you're mowing it, you want to kind of be in a closed cab, not in an open cab. And do not use a weed whacker. That's probably the number one cause of how people get inflicted. And because of this, a lot of times we're using herbicides to manage it because we just don't want to deal with it. Right, Aaron? I mean, that's not putting yourself at risk if you're going to be out there mowing them at this time, if you don't have the right equipment. And there are a range of herbicides that are really, really effective. Most herbicides are effective. And if there's interested, we have some really good fact sheets that give more detailed information. Now we talked about how it can affect humans, what problems it creates there. Now let's talk about animals. Whether you're walking your dog or now it's summer, cattle, horses, those animals are on pasture. How does it affect them? And if they eat this, are they going to have problems? Yeah, Aaron, this is where it gets really, really interesting. So while we have these afflictions, animals tend to be more tolerant to theirs, but there's a few exceptions. So what's really interesting about this plant is cattle and even goats will preferentially go to graze on wild parsnip. And we've gotten lots of calls from people who are really concerned when they see this. They know I'm concerned it might be bad for our animals. And what we've seen anecdotally is if those animals are eating it, and they have a dark complexion or a dark skin coat, we have not heard any reports of any negative effects. The only animals, horses and cattle that have light complexions, we have had some cases of some moderate or mild injury to that. So for some reason, they're more tolerant than we are. We never recommend in cattle them eating it in large quantities, but in typical quantities under 20% of their intake, we rarely ever get any calls on it. And it's really only the light complexion animals that have some mild sensitivity to it. So it's quite an interesting thing. I would say, you know, with dogs, we have less information. I would try to avoid it, but be less worried about it than I would be to your own personal safety. Now, another thing you mentioned earlier, you know, from the farmer's side of it, you said that sometimes it can really get obnoxious and kind of take out some other plants or affect the way that other plants grow. So if we're finding this in our fields, how is that affecting things or how have you seen, you know, in your research that it affects other plants? Yeah, and so this is an area that we don't have a ton of information. It can compete and cause some issues. And right now when we're driving down the roadside, we see it and we go, oh my goodness, there's just a ton of it in fields or roadside. But if you actually stop and get in there and count, there's usually only one or two plants per five to 10 square feet. It just looks really bad right now because they're flowering. So in our ag fields, we really don't have a lot of knowledge on the on the impact, except with, you know, not wanting it to be there to, to spread this to some of these other areas where you may be working. The good news is essentially all the management techniques that we use, cultivation, herbicides, and a range of herbicides should be really effective at 
removing this plant if it gets into your production areas. And there are options to remove it. It's really pastures is really the, the challenge when you have to think about, okay, do I want my animals to eat that or I want to go in and control that too, where we really have to think a little bit more carefully about it. But the impacts to our production systems are probably not as bad as just the human health aspect. All right. So what other things might people not know about it or where can they find more resources and information about the plant? Yeah, no, I would just say that it is a super common weed species to Wisconsin. If you have not seen it before, please try to learn how to identify it. We've got some great videos and resources to help with that. It will be coming to a roadside near you in the future. It's all the way up in Canada, does really well in Illinois, in Iowa, and Michigan. So if you haven't seen it, you will see it in the future. So keep your eyes out for it and and just be careful around it. That would be my parting uh We have a really good identification video. If you can just YouTube wild parsnip in Wisconsin, you'll see that. We have a website that has a whole slew of other information on management techniques, wrens, weed science. Uh, If you Google that, you can find that. Um, There's tons of information available. Or just talk to your local uh, extension agent and they can give you access to that information as well. Mark Renz, weed specialist for the UW Extension, talking about that yellow, obnoxious, invasive weed they call wild parsnip found all over the state. So if you're out and active this summer or working on the farm, be sure to steer clear of this weed and take the necessary precautions to avoid being harmed. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Aaron Zimmerman. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. It's been called the best in Wisconsin, meticulously maintained at 70% humidity. It's the walk-in humidor at the Tasting Room Lounge, a showcase of the finest tasting hand-rolled cigars in the area. The Tasting Room Lounge, a systematically ventilated refuge to enjoy your favorite cigar, spirit, specialty beer, or wine. Indoor or on the patio, find your spot at the Tasting Room Lounge. West Broadway, Monona. Shopping for that special someone can be hard. You want to make sure that gift is perfect. Jewelry is always a great go-to because it lasts forever. Place to go? Goodman's Jewelers. They have the best prices, something for every budget. They have incredible quality jewelry, one-of-a-kind pieces, diamonds, engagement rings, traditional and modern styles, and you can customize your own. Something for a Badger Packer fan? Goodman's Jewelers has it. A true icon in Madison, the city's oldest full-service jewelry store, is your family. Goodman's Jewelers. Are you fairly fit but would love a little edge up? Are you entering middle age with a slowing metabolism and weak core? MSculpt may be your answer. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie is proud to be one of the first clinics in the area to offer this new muscle building technology called MSculpt. It's approved for building and toning abs, arms, butt, thighs, and calves. MSculpt works. One 30-minute treatment can be equivalent to 20,000 crunches or 20,000 squats. It's safe, effective, and painless with virtually no downtime. Sound too good to be true? Visit Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie to learn more. Let your natural beauty shine through. View our specials at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Hang on to your tractors. Here's another update. This is the Midwest Farm Report 
with Pam Youngke. Morning, more county fair activity coming your way this week. We're looking forward to the Grant County Fair down in Lancaster, Dodge County Fair in Beaver Dam, and of course our friends at the Juneau County Fair in Austin will be joining them later this week. Let's find out what the weather holds in store. It's a Compure Financial Ag Weather Update on a Monday. Stumacher Ag Meteorologist joining us live this morning. Oh, what a beautiful weekend, although the Packers lost, it skunked it up pretty good on Saturday night in Green Bay. The weather was fantastic. It absolutely was, Pam. It was just a beautiful spell for anything you wanted to do outdoors. It stays that way to get this week started, too. Very nice. More normal temperatures, low 80s expected in the next several days, and a lot of sunshine. High pressures out to our east. That's going to keep it sunny and bright today, tomorrow, Wednesday into Thursday. But there will be some rain chances, so all of your county fair plans, the fairs are all going to start out with a couple of dry, sunny, wonderful days. As we head toward the weekend, that chance of a little rain tries to finally build on in. There are some showers down near Ohio, eastern Indiana this morning. A warm front's going to push up behind low pressure in the northeast states, and that could mean a sprinkle in southeast Wisconsin in a couple of days. That's about the only chances that are around, and otherwise we wait until the end of the week when that low-pressure system finally will approach. And in the meantime, very fine summer weather with those temperatures around normal or a little bit above. Most of us right around 80 or 81 degrees for a normal high, and that's about where it will be. It sounds like a wonderful spell. Oh, looking toward that activity by the end of the week. I don't expect major storms. You know, we're not going to see inches of rain, but there will be some showers trying to wedge on in, and that's going to mean a a few small changes in how we go about things, especially thinking of the county fairs and the like. I'll have forecast details right after this. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. All business owners want the same thing, to make their business succeed. At Rural Mutual, they help that happen. As the third largest writer of commercial business in Wisconsin, they take the time to learn your business so they can properly protect you. Call your local agent today or visit RuralMutual.com. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Whether it's a lot or a little, we need your rainfall reports. The Rural Mutual Rainfall Report is on. Text your rainfall reports to 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. Be sure and include your name and where you're reporting from because every month we'll pick a winner for a digital weather station courtesy Rural Mutual Insurance. Premiums paid here, stay here to keep Wisconsin strong. Text those rainfall reports to 877-301-FARM. Farm. Yeah, quickly clipping through the month of August, and we'll award another one of those weather stations pretty quick. So text in. Not a lot of rain to text in about this week, though, huh, Stu? No, no, not until the end of the week will we really get that chance. So enjoy the drier spells. I see a little hay being made and that in the, in the plan here. Oh, with sunny skies today, it sounds very fine. A lot of us in the very upper 70s are about 80. Southeast winds around 5. Clear overnight, and we drop back down into the upper 50s. Southeast winds at 5. Another sunny day on Tuesday. Oh, just in the low 80s, although western Wisconsin, La Crosse and Eau Claire, a little warmer. 82, 83 degrees could be seen around there. And mostly sunny still on Wednesday. A lot of mid-80s. We get that warm-up with the south winds at 5. It just stays warm. The humidity isn't going to skyrocket, Pam, so you know it's not going to be really unbearable. It's just warm. Yeah. 
as we would expect at this time in August. But boy, like I said, any moderation that we can uh, enjoy for just a couple days uh, just puts a spring back in your step. All right. Well, you keep springing. <laughs> see you tomorrow. Thanks, Stu. All right. See ya. Stu Bacher, Ag Meteorologist with weather details we're looking for. And it's all brought to you courtesy this morning of Compure Financial. Compure Financial is your financial partner committed to agriculture and rural America. As always, you can visit their website, Compure com or check in with one of their local Compure offices. Well, we are going to be checking in with the folks on the Pro Farmer Crop Tour. That gets started today and probably a pretty important information given the erratic growing conditions that we've seen across uh, especially the western growing region. Those details coming up. More details at MidwestFarmReport.com. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. There's a feeling you get when you plant Dairyland Seed Alfalfa. We call Dairyland Seed Pride. Pride. Yeah, we heard all that. I think we're ready for what's next. And just who might you be? I'm the new voice of Dairyland Seed, the guy that talks less and delivers more. You see, Dairyland Seed has their strongest lineup of top performers ever. So now, we can let our seed do the talking for us. No one informed me about this. Take our Hybroforce 4400 Alfalfa, for example the latest generation in the family to set new standards for yield and quality. It delivered a 6.9% yield advantage against the competition in 502 head-to-head comparisons. With proven performance like that, what's left to say? But I like being Dairyland Seed Proud. We do too, and we always will be. But sometimes you got to get out of the way and let the numbers speak for themselves. Can we at least listen to the music one more time? You got it, buddy. See how Dairyland Seed Hyberforce 4400 brings the yield and delivers the quality at DairylandSeed.com. We were looking to replace our aluminum siding on our old house. We ended up going with Prairie Exteriors. We had them come out and give us an estimate. I was just impressed with their service. They had siding samples. Their pricing was really reasonable. It looks amazing. Improve the look and value of your property with one of the area's highest rated exterior companies. Prairie Exteriors. Prairie Exteriors. Now that's impressive. PrairieExteriors.com. Looks phenomenal. Attorney John Rihala with Clifford and Rihala. When you ride a motorcycle, you can face serious risks from cars around you. It's a fact. Some car drivers don't watch for motorcycles and they don't see you. Even if they do, some cars don't give bikes the space they need to drive safely. A collision between a motorcycle and a car can be devastating. If this happens to you, we can help. At Clifford and Rihala, we know that motorcycle riders can suffer life-changing injuries in a crash, and we can help you recover the compensation you deserve. If you or someone you care for has been in a motorcycle crash, call Clifford and Rihala for a free consultation. We'll fight to help you receive your maximum recovery. For relentless dedication to helping you and your family, choose Clifford and Rihala, hardworking, skilled attorneys fighting for you. For justice, myjustice.com. You rarely think about it, and it often goes unnoticed until your basement or building floods. A reliable sump pump can be a lifesaver, preventing flooding by detecting water levels and pumping the water back outside, away from your home or business. If your sump pump isn't functioning, contact your friends at Benjamin Plumbing. They can replace your existing sump pump, floats, and check valves. They'll even upgrade your current system to include a battery backup system. 
the battery makes sure your system continues to work in the event of a power outage. Away from home? Receive pump activation alerts on your smart device. Enjoy peace of mind and improve the value of your property with an upgraded sump pump from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. Matthew. Huh? Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Interest rates are at all-time lows, and home equity is at all-time highs. You know what that means? You can save big money by refinancing your mortgage loan. Whether you want to just save a few hundred dollars a month, consolidate some debt, or get money for home improvements, now's the time to call me. Educated Mortgage, smartest way home. Call Dan, the Mortgage Man. NMLS number 222-652. Andrew Wagner joining us right now. Um, wow, the Brewers the second team in the majors to 70 wins. Uh, Andrew, a lot of it has to do with uh, the addition of Willie Adamas. I had asked you, I think it was earlier this week, if memory serves me correct, or maybe it was last week. I've, yeah. I've, I've, I have short-term memory problems sometimes, brother. But when it comes to uh, Willie Adamas, I asked you if you could make the case for MVP, and you said if you got the vote, you would vote for Adamas. Well, let me ask you this. The Brewers have four guys top ten in Cy Young contention, and Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, and Josh Hader. Do you think that the Brewers will get a Cy Young Award winner this season, or will they cannibalize each other? Yeah, I just, I just heard Dave talking about that, and I, I agree with them on the possibility of them cannibalizing each other. What I will, will say probably isn't a factor is the small market thing. I think that's more of an issue for races like MVP, but the thing about pitching is, you know, ridiculous pitching performances always end up on Sports Center. And I think that will work in the Brewers' favor. And I think if you have to pick one of the three guys that kind of fits that mold, I think Corbin has the best chance because he's the one that's done the historic things that end up on sports. Like the other day, striking out 10 guys in a row. Earlier this year, how many, how, many, uh, um, excuse me, how many hitters did he face striking them out without allowing a walk? Things like that. Yeah. Um, that gets noticed. And. The, the BBWAA, for all the people in Anakam, like the electorate is kind of looking at things differently now. This isn't, this isn't like it was even five years ago. you got a lot of younger guys now who spend a lot of time looking at baseball reference, a lot of time looking at fan graphs, a lot of time watching games, watching highlights. Um, seeing P- Pitching Ninja, I think, plays into this. I really do. You know, every time 
Rob Friedman puts a, a, a gif out there of a pitcher doing ridiculous things, you know, there's a pretty good chance it's a Brewers pitcher doing it. So I, I think their best chance is to win uh, an award this year in order, I think, are Cy Young, manager, MVP, and who knows, maybe Tyrone Taylor gets a couple looks at Rookie of the Year. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, Andrew, how about um, – okay, let me ask you this. So David Stearns has been pulling a lot of uh, – a lot of good moves out of his sleeve, right? Eduardo Escobar definitely paying off the latest one. But when it comes to these two arms that he got out of the back of the bullpen, and something that we were bugging you about, remember, yeah. for like weeks leading up to the trade deadline, and eventually you're like, dudes, you, you got to stop asking me about the relief pitchers. They're coming. We all know they're coming. Well, they came, and now it looks like they've went. As what? Curtis is done for the year, and Norris can't help but just get rocked constantly. What's the... I'm not doubting David Stearns, obviously, but what's this mean with this moves with these two relief pitchers uh, that kind of just one's done and one stinks? The, the Norris one, we'll start with Norris. And listen, he, he's not pitching very well right now, and, and that's that's no no one's going to argue that. But it still does serve a purpose because, you know, that's, that's the guy that you could put in there when a game is goofy and not have to burn one of your guys, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, if your guys are getting shelled, do you really want to put Sanchez out there? Do you really want to put Suter out there? Do you really want to put Cousins out there? No, you don't. You can throw Norris out there, and he can give you – he might be able to give you two winnings. That's a big thing. Obviously, that's not what they had in mind when they traded for him, but there still is usefulness, if that makes sense. Totally. Curtis, it's a little bit different. Like, it stinks. You know, they're, they're not going to have him – this year, obviously, and that, that's what you got him for. But, and again, he's going to miss next year, too. I get that. But they're still going to have three years of him after that. Oof. So, you know, that's, that's a trade that was made to help now, but also to help down the road. So, yeah, he's probably going to have Tommy John. It's going to stink. You're going to lose him for a year. But it's not like you, you traded a buttload for him and yeah. he's going to walk in, in November. This is a guy that's going to be around for a little bit. So, you can kind of swallow it right now and say, all right, this stinks, but it's not going to bury us. It's like drinking Ice House. Like You can swallow it a little bit. Yeah. It kind of stinks, but it might bury you. But if you use responsibility you know, and uh, you know, just, just ease up a little bit, it won't bury you. Andrew, what about Justin Topa and his emergence again? He's now the 60th player to appear for the Brewers this year after he pitched yesterday. What's uh, Justin Topa mean for this bullpen? If he per- performs like he did last season, you know, and – I, I like good stories, and I think this is one of the things that makes baseball such a great sport is you get guys like Topa, uh, guys like Axford before you got hurt, guys that, you know, they were, they were done. They were out of it. They, they had been told no time and time again. They didn't give up. They had to take a really, you know, roundabout way to get back. But She's sweeter than a glass of chocolate milk and louder than a morning rooster. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, there are plenty of things to keep you entertained coming up this week. We've got the Grant County Fair in Lancaster, the Dodge County Fair in Beaver Dam, the Juneau County Fair, all happening in uh, Mauston. And we're going to try to make it out to all of those events. I'm Pam Yankee. Now, from the Alcivia Farm News Desk, here's what's happening on a Monday. So today, the 16th day of August, on this day in 1954, the very first issue of Sports Illustrated hit the newsstands. Now, Sports Illustrated's probably best known for its annual swimsuit edition, but that didn't happen immediately. In fact, for the first few years that that magazine was on the rack, it was not profitable. On this day in 1958, the first 
transatlantic telegram message was sent. It was sent by British's Queen Victoria to American President James Buchanan at the time. And it read, Europe and America are united by telegraph communication. Glory to God in the highest. Those items on this day in history. And how about a quick happy birthday to Madonna? How old do you think she is? 63. Mm-hmm. And now you know. Well, we want you to know that this week we're going to keep an eye on the Pro Farmer Crop Tour. It's now in its 29th year, and it covers both the western side of the major corn and soybean producing regions and the eastern side. And obviously, with the way the weather has been, all eyes in the marketplace will be watching. We've got more this morning. Pro Farmer Crop Tour kicking off this morning on their annual scouting trip across the upper Midwest during one of the most diverse sets of weather conditions in recent memory, with much of the western leg of the tour. Pretty dry. We saw that uh, USDA hacked quite a bit out of Minnesota on the yield, uh, South Dakota the same. So we'll have to see, but that's what it is. It's a fact-finding mission. Uh, the western half of Iowa probably isn't uh, as good as, as some of the areas in the eastern half of the state, and, and that's what the western tour covers. And then across uh, Minnesota, um, you know, we, we're just in that southern three-tier of counties, uh, which is generally the higher producing areas of the state. Pro Farmer Editor Brian Greedy says today, scouts on the western leg will travel from Sioux Falls, South Dakota to Grand Island, Nebraska, just as they have for the past 28 years. We use the same routes. We don't go to the same fields. They stop randomly, so each driver gets a map, and they're instructed to follow the route, uh, which is marked on that map, uh, and stop randomly about every 15 miles. So uh, we don't want them going back to the same field every year. We want that randomness of the stop. We don't pick out the best fields. We don't pick out the worst fields, uh, despite what some of the people think. Uh, um, it, it's purely random, and by that, we get a what we think is a, a representative sample. Greedy adds that it's kind of fun to follow along with the daily average yield numbers they find, but the big picture at the end of crop tour is always most important. If we come out of a field and, and say it, uh, the yield calculation is 200 bushels on that, that doesn't necessarily mean that that field will yield 200 bushels. In fact, it, it would probably be lucky if, if it did hit it. What we're more interested in is that 200 out of that field is one of about 1,500 samples that we'll take between the eastern leg and the western leg. We put all those into a spreadsheet at the end of the week, and that gives us our best number because it turns those seven states basically into one big field. Again this year, USDA's objective field visit results won't be released until the yield estimates in the September World Agricultural Supply and Demand Report, which Greedy says highlights the importance of crop tour, which has never been greater. Crop tour is uh, greatly expanded over the years. Last year, USDA stopped doing their field surveys for the August reports. So crop tour is, is the first broad-based look at the Corn Belt uh, where we actually go out in fields, pull samples, and uh, record the data. I'm super excited to have reports for you all week long from Crop Tours Western Leg, and NAFB's Chad Smith will have you covered on the eastern leg of the tour. I'm Andy Peterson. All right, Andy, thank you. We'll be catching up with both those farm broadcasters, Andy in the west, Chad Smith in the east, all week long. Well, the Wisconsin State Fair drew to a close yesterday at State Fair Park in West Allis, but not before rewarding some accolades on some well-deserving cheesemakers. The Wisconsin State Fair Park announced the Wisconsin State Fair Grand Master Cheesemaker for 2021, and it goes to Team Emmy Roth from Monroe. They picked up the title with their entry of a Roth Grand Cru Reserve Wheel. 
It scored 99.65 out of a possible 100 in the smear-ripened cheese class. Plus, the Grand Champion Dairy Products went like this. Grand Champion Butter went to the Organic Salted Butter exhibited by Crop Organic Valley. The Co-Grand Champion Yogurt, Yodelay Rhubarb Swiss Yogurt from Yodelay Yogurt. The Co-Grand Champion Yogurt, Low-Fat Mango Kefir from Weber's Farm Store. The Grand Champion Sour Cream was exhibited by Odyssey Sour Cream. That's Klondike Cheese Company's product. Grand Champion Milk, the half-gallon glass-bottled 1% chocolate milk from Lammers Dairy up in northeast Wisconsin. The Grand Champion Custard, Strawberry Moon, exhibited by the Creamery Pig. Each Blue Ribbon entry from the Dairy Products Contest sold during the Governor's Blue Ribbon Dairy Products Auction. They raised over $54,000 for student scholarships and dairy promotion at the State Fair. And the 18 pounds of that uh, Grand Champion Grand Crew Reserve Wheel from Emmy Roth brought $1,800. You've got more results up at MidwestFarmReport.com if you want to take a look. Another note for you horse owners, the first case of the Eastern Equine Encephalitis, that's EEE, has been found in a horse in Monroe County. The results were confirmed by the Department of Agriculture and the Wisconsin Veterinary Diagnostic Laboratory. The unvaccinated two-year-old crossbred gelding was euthanized after showing symptoms, and then they went through the test. Remember, 90% of these cases are fatal, so make sure that your horse has been vaccinated. First case of Eastern Equine Encephalitis detected in Wisconsin. Dairy markets on Friday in Chicago seeing a bigger split between that barrel and block cheese price. Barrel cheese was up four at 145. 40-pound block cheese went up three and a quarter cents to 181 and a quarter. Double-A butter was unchanged at 167 a pound. In overnight trade, December corn is down a penny and a half at 571 and a half. November soybeans are up four and three quarter cents at 1369 and three quarters. September wheat's up three, 765 and a quarter right now. The September milk is up seven at 1769 a hundredweight. October, that is currently trading up as well by about four cents at 1778 a hundredweight. Coming up in just a moment, we're going to visit again with our friends from Project Recovery, a federally funded effort in the state of Wisconsin to try to help farmers and their families, again, struggle through some of the challenges they've seen this year. At first, it might have been the market effects or family effects that the pandemic was still having on our farms. Now, it's probably more about the weather that we've been experiencing and some of the challenges that that brings. Regardless of what it is, Project Recover is standing by to help. We're visiting next with our friend Kim Mindeman, who is going to explain some of the things you may not know about what they offer. Stick around. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. At Tom's Auto Center, we like to say we're the getter fixed, getter done to get you going, guys. Because we're one of the largest independent auto shops in the area. Tom and Tom of Tom's Auto Center. With 12 bays and a lively group of highly skilled mechanics, we're able to do just that. Tom'sAutoCenter.com. Tom's Auto Center. We're the getter fixed, getter done to get you going, guys. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. 
Shopping for that special someone can be hard. You want to make sure that gift is perfect. Jewelry is always a great go-to because it lasts forever. Place to go? Goodman's Jewelers. They have the best prices, something for every budget. They have incredible quality jewelry, one-of-a-kind pieces, diamonds, engagement rings, traditional and modern styles, and you can customize your own. Something for a Badger Packer fan? Goodman's Jewelers has it. A true icon in Madison, the city's oldest full-service jewelry store, is your family. Goodman's Jewelers. You're well aware of these gigantic mortgage companies that make it seem as though they can do everything for you rather quickly, when in fact, you end up in a call center where everything is cumbersome and expensive. Learn about our local process at educatedmortgage.com. Educated Mortgage, this word is way home. Call Dan, the Mortgage Man. NMLS number 222-652. Recent rain and flooding can have an impact on your lawn and landscape. Repairing it is as easy as having Kalani Topsoil deliver the perfect blend of dirt to repair the washouts or build up berms to reroute the water, leaving you with the Kalani Topsoil eye-catching lawn and landscape. Order it now to prevent washouts and further flooding damage. Visit KalaniTopsoil.com, or you can simply pick it up at our awesome dirt-filled processing plant. Trust a worm to know good dirt when he eats it. Kalani Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. Roses are red, violets are blue, and you bet she'll be talking farming with you. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. We've brought to your attention Project Recovery, a group in Wisconsin that is funded in part by the federal government, FEMA, to try to help rural communities when it comes to recovery. Now, normally we talk about recovery from something like a flood, tornadoes, something like that, a short-term need to help a community get back on its feet. Well, in light of the pandemic, Project Recovery has taken on a whole different look and has to approach a whole different bunch of subjects. Joining us today is another crisis counselor with Project Recovery. Kim Mindham is along with us, and they are finding great success with a new program that they've rolled out into the countryside. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. First, Kim, remind people again all the services and all of, uh, I, I guess we'd say, the resources that Project Recovery offers to to our rural communities, to our farm families. Right. So um, the resources that we offer are we try to, to fill, like, immediate needs. That's what we address. And, and of course, some long-term needs as well. So it, they can, oh, they, there's such a range of uh, resources that we end up trying to find for people, um, whether it has to do with uh, COVID or whether it has to do with farming in particular or it has to do with their personal lives, like connecting them with, with some counselors or, or whatever they happen to need. Um, um, we do that and we also do some crisis counseling and we try to connect them with people that are going to help them long term. So let's talk a little bit about a new program that you are Project Recovery is offering. It's called Recognition and Resilience, and it's being kind of coordinated through local libraries. Re- Recognition and Resilience. What is this all about, Kim, and how did Project Recovery come up with the idea for these uh, gatherings? Well, in the past year, as crisis counselors, we've realized that there's a lot of grief coming up that's connected with the emotions that people are feeling um, in, as a response to the pandemic. So there have been a lot of losses experienced, and there's such a range of losses, whether it's you know traditions and rituals that make our lives ours, 
um, or it's losses of businesses or losses of, um, it, you know, particularly to, to the farming community, um, having to change, you know, maybe sell some cattle or, you know, just change how they're farming um, as a response. So um, the, the losses of connection with family and friends, community, and, and so we're trying to address that and say, you know, let's, ex- let's, let's talk about our losses. Let's acknowledge that because in order to go forward, you have to acknowledge the loss because, as we stressed, um, you, you can't heal what you don't feel. So um, let's get together and talk about that and have a discussion about it and then talk about ways that we can move forward through that grief. You mentioned that uh, this recognition and resilience presentation's actually been getting you a, a, a sizable audience, bigger than you expected. Why do you think that is? Well, I think it's because um, everyone's experienced loss. Everyone in 2020 can relate to this, so it resonates with so many people. Um, and so I think the audience is bigger um, than in other, uh, you know, other times that we've been in the program and have offered something because everyone can relate. So give me some takeaways that people can expect if they attend the recognition and resilience. What kinds of things do you suggest to them, Kim? Is there exercises? Are there, you know, anecdotal things that they might be able to do to try to, as you said, help with some of the the grieving process? Yeah, and I think the biggest exercise is to to just stay with uh, the, the pain that you're feeling right now and to say, yeah, I'm feeling that. And, um, and I have to acknowledge that in order to get through it, and that's okay. Um, there's not a quick fix, but if you have support especially, and that's number two, is uh, making connections with people that can support you through that. So that's another takeaway. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we talk about, during the workshops, we talk about uh, recreating some of those traditions and, um, and rituals that we, we um, identify with. And uh, maybe they won't look the same. Or maybe they'll just be late, and that's okay if they're late. Um, to just just kind of, you know, say it's okay if it's not the same. I'm going to do what makes me feel better. Uh, for instance, if we have not been able to honor a loved one because we lost them during the pandemic and couldn't have, you know, a funeral in a traditional way, there are non-traditional ceremonies that we can um, embrace as well. Um, or it's okay to have it now. Um, so. So we talk about that, and we and we um, kind of um, just connect people to share their experiences, share their losses, um, and I think that that sense of um, just support um, surrounding that is uh, really valuable. Very interesting. Kim Minham is along with us. She's a crisis counselor that works with Project Recovery. They are uh, located across the state of Wisconsin, and they are all about making sure that rural communities know about resources that are available to them. And like Kim said, they concentrate prim- primarily on immediate needs, uh, getting you connected with uh, resources like food, shelter, etc. But they also focus in on these long-term plays now that we have to deal with. And as she said, some of that repercussion of perhaps losing someone during the pandemic, not being able to celebrate their life and trying to come to grips with that. Now, if a community is interested in hearing this kind of information, Kim, can they reach out to you folks? Will you make it available online virtually or tell people how they might be able to connect with some of the resources in this recognition and resilience topic? Yeah, we can. you can absolutely 
contact Project Recovery to find out more. We also have a, a Facebook page, so you can contact us through Facebook as well. Yeah, and, and we post, and so we're posting all of our workshops. And you can attend them even if you don't live in the area that the workshop is, is being held. Uh, because they're they're virtual um, right now, although we're moving to in-person. Well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. You know, I, we had talked previously about uh, the Project Recovery designed initially to deal with short-term needs, short-term demand uh, in light of maybe a natural disaster. How does it feel to still be trudging along with this kind of support? What are we now, uh, 16, 18 months in, Kim? Oh, yeah. Isn't that surprising? I mean, and people, that, that's the answer I've been getting is I think that, that people are um, becoming aware of the impact of 2020, even now. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, um, this long after, you know, the beginning of the pandemic, people are still reeling from the effects of that. Have you noticed any change or uh, shift in what people are reaching out to Project Recovery for? I mean, I understand these conversations about the grieving process that was, uh, I guess we'd say, abbreviated. Now, what are people reaching out for? Give me a little sense of tempo of conversation these days, Kim, and what people are still needing. I think it's just to connect. Um, and so that's our role as crisis counselors is to make them feel connected with someone. Um, and also... You know, I had, I had one person tell me, you know, it's hard not having someone to run things past or just run things, you know, buy things with, whether it's farm things or whether it's emotional things, um, being, feeling isolated. I think that's a lot of it too. Uh, during the pandemic, we felt so isolated and we're just now coming out of that. Um, some of the restrictions are starting to be eased, but that was, that was hard for a lot of people and especially people who are already isolated. Um, so. Um, that's, that's the kind of conversations we're having a lot right now. Yeah, and it's probably going to continue. Kim Mindham along with us, one of the crisis counselors with Project Recovery. And again, remember, there are resources available to anyone in the state of Wisconsin, and they're very easy to reach. You can, of course, go to Facebook and look for Project Recovery Wisconsin. I'm looking at that resource right now with all of the information that they're posting, and that's also a place where you'll be able to see the virtual recognition and resilience presentations. You can also reach out to them with their toll free number if you need help. The Project Recovery Farm Line is 833-327-6435. Again, the Project Recovery Farm Line, toll free, 833-FARM-HELP. Tomorrow morning, we'll check in with our friend John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson. Enjoy your Monday. Can't get enough farm news? The 